0: Hello and welcome to the Backpage, the video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, is this the longest we've ever gone without recording an episode together? It's been more than two weeks, right?
1: Oh yeah, it has. Because so we did a batch, we, we got a batch in the can, as we say in the biz. And Yeah, uh, yeah, it has been a while.
0: Yeah, somehow we remember how to do it. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, I just talked over you, so that's um, a good sign. Oh,
1: jeez. We never do that. (laughs) I think we should just call it quits. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's it. This is the end of the podcast. Um, We're going to go out on a bang as I talk about 20 or so more pointless purchases that I've made on eBay. So, Matthew, I was actually really shocked to discover that the first bad eBay Gamescore episode we did was back in early March, so it has been six months since that episode. Where did this year go? It's crazy, right? Unbelievable time flies when you're having fun (laughs) yeah we have a big question mark there um (laughs) and an umlaut over the U for no reason um okay cool so yes matthew i suppose before we get to that then i've got um i've got 20 or so more purchases for you to order in games court and decide whether i live or die which will be fun um (laughs) the ps2 mini draft we haven't discussed the results of it on the podcast yet so i won by about 55 percent to 45 percent um it was a really solid effort from you actually. And I was curious what you made of the, the results.
1: Yeah, I'm sort of surprised it was that close. Um mm. because obviously the episode doesn't end on a high for me, and I think a lot of people coming out, you know, they're so coloured by the pick of Red Faction that they forget all my other good stuff. So I'm glad that some people really sat there and thought about it and went, you know what, actually, there's
0: there's some there's some quality here.
1: Yeah, for a non PS2 person, I think I did okay.
0: Yeah, I think um what it taught me was that if you have 2 or 3 games that people really love, that can triumph over having a more consistent selection of 5 games uh, or 10 games. Um mm. like I think people really, you know, just love Vice City or Metal Gear Solid 3 and that did a lot of heavy lifting for you yeah and, um, definitely yeah and so it made me think actually that perhaps picking tony hawk instead of burnout was the wrong pick because maybe um maybe that tony hawk remaster got uh that series out of the system a little bit whereas burnout feels a bit more elusive these days but um mm. yeah there's some thoughts there but hey we're on your home turf next so later in september we've got the n64 mini draft that is replacing our best um previously advertised best n64 games episode we think this is um a more fun format to do it and uh, also less time <laughs> consuming to prepare so yeah, yeah i think that would be fun how are you feeling about that one
1: yeah it, sh- it should be good i mean again it's kind of whether you just push into like more interesting spaces or go for the crowd pleasers yeah we'll see
0: yeah it could be um it could be chaotic that one that's one where if you go first you may have an advantage um inherently as well so um yeah, yeah. excited to see how that goes so Matthew, on top of Games Court, later in this episode, we've got a brief segment about Deathloop and No More Heroes 3, which um I've been playing the former, you've been playing the latter, so people can look yep. forward to that towards the end of the episode. But um in the meantime then let's um let's crack on with the Games Court retrial. So uh, basically, for people who didn't listen to the first episode, it's uh, it's in our archives, obviously. I have spent a lot of the lockdown during the pandemic buying games on ebay that for no real reason other than i think like restaurants were closed so i thought i will just (laughs) hoard i will hoard ds games in lieu of having like meaningful experiences with my girlfriend so that's essentially what happened there and i survived the first sort of like uh, trial but now we've got a retrial coming up matthew and i'm curious uh, for you as the judge coming into this uh, Mm. what do you make of revisiting the um games court idea
1: yeah, well, you know, I'm interested because obviously a lot of these purchases you've made have been made in the shadow of the first Games Court. So I'm, I'm wondering if the threat of execution, um, which I should point out, is how Games Court concludes. If you fail, um, it's it's a pretty uh, bleak ending for an otherwise quite jolly <laughs> segment of this podcast. Um, <laughs> and I wondered if if the threat of death would maybe inform your purchases make you a bit more of a careful buyer well oh
0: i mean yeah uh jury's out quite literally on this one um it's uh, it's actually i would say it starts bad like real bad and then it gets better and i think that people will enjoy the variety of games i've got in this episode i mean actually a lot of them are inspired by you know listening to you talk about working on end gamer oh. and covering ds games so there's a lot of matthew castle fodder in here
1: well that would be pretty churlish of me to say those are bad games i can't i can't just come and you know turn around on my old opinions just for the sake of trying to
0: push you towards
1: the uh electric
0: chair is it an electric chair or is it lethal injection <laughs> well I don't, it's inspired by the phoenix wright games right do they ever tell you how they're killing them
1: no they just said ex, they just say execute
0: <laughs> oh nice lovely uh you know seems like a fair system but uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really is like um it, i do quite like that as a sort of bit of drama in those in those games though it's like oh that is actually like really grim but um <laughs> yeah. if, uh, it's like it's all puns and sort of like wacky animations until someone gets the electric chair but uh yeah. but it all happens off screen and is never
1: mentioned again
0: <laughs> yeah you just get confetti on the screen congratulating <laughs> yeah. you on a job well done
1: oh imagine um, being having confetti raining because the person who is accused You know, the person you reveal to be the baddie is in the courtroom at the time, Mm. so they're also having that confetti rain on them, despite the fact that they know they're about to be (laughs) executed.
0: Yeah, they're being wheeled out as, like, you know, the confetti goes off, and it's like, yeah, no confetti for you. Um, (laughs) You're going to be dead in two days. Grim stuff. So... Yeah, uh, that's um, that's fun. So basically, if I die at the end of this, there can be no more games caught unless somehow there's a Phoenix Wright-style, I don't know, like um, a stone is used to summon my spirit from the dead to put me on trial again in future. Well, yeah, I- you can pu- you can possess a spirit medium and all of a sudden you'll appear in their outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will be dressed as um, Pe- Pearl Faye, which will be a treat for everyone involved, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so good stuff Yes. Yeah, so what's interesting with this one is that i think like to add a bit more drama to it what we're going to do this time i'm explaining this as the person who's on trial but um for each guilty verdict as in for each game that matthew decides um that was not a worthwhile purchase i lose three points but for each not guilty verdict on a game that i bought i only gain one so the stakes have never been lower, frankly. Um, it's uh, it's you know it's going to be exciting stuff. So I, I think this speaks to
1: a quiet confidence that you're you're gonna you're gonna walk it because
0: that's quite a hefty penalty for a bad game. It is, but I will say, Matthew. I mean, just to kind of like tease what's to come, I have two Sonic games and one Pokemon game. So you uh. know, <laughs> there you go. I, I should add that, like, you know,
1: my judgments they aren't based on popular opinion they're yeah. based
0: on just my whims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's um that's just the law i believe of... judges say that at the start of trials <laughs> <laughs> that's basically judge judy's whole deal isn't it that's like yeah. you know this is i operate as my own judicial i just system. want everyone i just want everyone to know this court operates on like gut feeling rather <laughs> than technical law <laughs> <laughs> okay then to, to kick off then matthew so last time we did this. The courtroom was rife with um all kinds of like wacky characters. We had a poorly rendered Chewbacca from the Masters of Terras Casi in there. Um I think I had the L block from Tetris in there, like wearing a suit. He had to go take a call from his wife at some point. Wario might have been there. <laughs> I can't really recall. Um do you, who's in the courtroom this time for this trial? We've got all kinds of people. Oh, yeah. Uh we've got uh, we've got
1: Herlock Sholmes from the Great Ace Attorney.
0: <laughs> okay. Is he has he, he just, been doing some uh, background work on me or something?
1: Yeah, he has. So he's kind of like my private investigator. So he he does the investigation segments. But he likes to sit out and watch. Um, we got Wario again. <laughs> great, great, good stuff. Um, I think he just wants to see an execution. <laughs> oh, that, that sick fuck. <laughs> That's very much Wario's deal. Yeah. Um, we got a uh, we got a load of Pikmin, uh, piled <laughs> up and wearing a coat to pass himself off as a person. Um, I think they might also carry you to the execution chamber.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, that is like what they're good at, right? I mean, they lift. Yeah, they I share. mean, that is, that's very much their deal.
1: And just to like make some noise and really get the place kind of jumping, because <coughs> I like an energetic court. Right. Uh, we've got a load of tap dancing monkeys from Riven Heaven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's, it's, um. It's yeah. a pretty wild bunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. And, I mean, And
1: maybe like, maybe some other people will enter or, uh, as we go on and. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, I got to pick a lawyer for this. Um, I, requ- <laughs> I requested Miles Edgeworth, but my request was denied. The request was like basically on the on the basis that I knew that the judge respected the lawyer, so I thought, well, that will help a little bit. But mm. um, uh, Miles Edgeworth wasn't having any of it. So um, I've been assigned um, one of the Payne family to represent me. Um, oh. And- and unfortunately his wig flew off as he entered the courtroom, which is, you know, not a, a harbinger of things to come, perhaps. But um Yeah. So yeah, so uh, before we kick it we kick off with this, it will probably be a while before we do another Games Court episode because I noticed that my purchases basically stopped when the lockdown lifted and um oh. I could basically spend my money on doing the thing I enjoy more than anything else, which is going for lunch with my girlfriend and bath, basically. <laughs> So I think these were definitely filling a hole during the pandemic times. I've also reached a point, Matthew, where a lot of the tasty DS games I want are like so expensive that I can't really justify it. Like a couple of the Castlevania games and um, Mm. Ghost Trick, I've given up on Ghost Trick. I almost got it from CEX, but they were out of stock after I bought it. So I just bought the um, iOS version in the end. But, uh, oh God, it doesn't look as nice on my iPad as it would on a DS. That's um, tragic, but... yeah, the other thing is that um, I actually found out I'd bought three fake DS games on um, on eBay. And I, I, I realised afterwards what a sucker I was, because I bought, I thought I got such a killer bargain for Apollo Justice on DS, I think I bought it for like 10 quid, and it's like never available for 10 quid, it's like always right. 40 quid. And um, I was looking into it, and I realised that yeah, that there is like a way you can tell that your DS games are fake. There's um, an indented arrow that points down the uh, from the cartridge that tells you where to place the console. If it's indented, it's fake. But if it's like glossed over, it's got like a glossy effect, then it's real. That's basically the way you can tell. Oh right. So Apollo Justice was fake, and um, I had uh, weirdly Mario and Luigi Partners in Time was fake. Who's building their criminal empire off of cloning <laughs> those? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Bowser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um yeah, that was uh that was some fun. But I'm guessing, Matthew, that your purchasing habits you still don't really hoard stuff, do you? You're just like No, not uh,
1: at all. Not at all. So are you so are you putting the fake games in the in the the you know are you presenting them today?
0: no because I've owned those for years um oh, okay I actually only discovered they were fake like recently um, uh, so these are all... they
1: would have been, they would have been like even if they're good games they'd be guilty you know guilty <laughs> charges just for like
0: being a dupe. <laughs> yeah does that mean that yeah i am contributing to crime does that mean that i've already lost like six points based on those or uh Uh,
1: well we won't we won't include them but had you tried to include them um yeah that would have been would have been the case i thought you were going to say i bought three 3ds games and i discovered that they were fake because they were all on the same cart (laughs) (laughs) Uh. and on the front of the box it was called a thousand games in one (laughs) You went, uh, wow, lucky me Catherine's got like a, a Game Boy game Which is called like 100 Game Boy
0: Classics <laughs> um, Okay, so Matthew should we take a short break then And then we'll come back And the uh, judge can convene the court And deliver any opening statements Would that be appropriate? Yeah, let's do it Okay, cool. Does the judge have anything to say before we get started? Uh, I run a
1: a fair and clean court. My decision's final, as has been said. It's based entirely on gut feeling. You can't argue with any of my critical opinions. Also, I hope there aren't any Pikmin in here today pretending to be a person in a coat, because I've already said I don't want that in my court. (laughs) So let's uh, let's find out what happens.
0: Okay, good stuff. Oh um on a complete side note, I was so shocked to learn recently that the hunters in Halo are actually like worms inside a big carapace. They're like a big parasite thing. That was quite um
1: Oh, I always thought they looked a little bit like
0: um the pepper army monster. <laughs> What, just inside some art battle art. Yeah.
1: And I I'd just like to add, it's quite nice that we can have this conversation, you the defendant, me the judge.
0: It's nice. It's a nice way to start. This is what happens when the um judge runs his own mad Colonel Kurt style justice um system. Do you know <laughs> what I mean?
1: I just like the idea that someone's on trial and they open up by just telling an anecdote about Halo
0: <laughs> to try and just endear themselves to me. Exactly, yeah. Okay, good. Are you gonna bang your hand out? Worked. Yeah. <laughs> Do you bang your hammer now, and we have to bring out the first exhibit? Yeah, I wish I had a soundboard that I could do the hammer. If if we ever get to the third criminal court, I'll I'll, I'll do that. Well, no, the good thing is I can cut in um, the Phoenix Wright sound effects because there's a soundboard. We can download all the MP3s. So oh, nice! Don't tell Capcom that um, in case they uh, sue us. Um, yeah. Okay, good. So, yeah. bang, bang, bang. <laughs> oh, duh! Uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll cut that sound effect in as well. <laughs> Okay, good stuff. So, Exhibit A. Oh, it's as bad as it gets to start with, Matthew. I don't even remember why I bought this. Judge Matthew, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Judge Matthew. Um, okay, so as I present this, Payne's wig has just flown off. and um, <laughs> Oh, that's a good sign. That's the second time today. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm
1: going to write that. I'm going to make a note in my big <laughs> judge's notebook that okay. that is suspicious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Exhibit A. Oh, God, it's Detective Pikachu on 3DS. I bought Mm. this for £13.50 on the 28th of February. I don't remember why I bought this, other than thinking, will this be... This is kind of a novel idea for a Pokemon game, uh, a kind of point-and-click adventure thing. I got it, played it. It's really, really boring. Like, it's a point-and-click game for children with no taste, basically. Mm. Really, really disappointing. So, I can't justify it in any way. I know this is not going to go in my favour, but you've just got to own this shit and get it over with, Matthew. Where are we at with that one?
1: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) There's a, a tiny little voice in my head says, "Well, you know, it's part of an interesting varied collection, you know, like it's an, it's a, it's an interesting curio to own, mm. um, but it's just not very good, <laughs> and it reminds me of the film which I also didn't like." So, um,
0: yeah, I mean, that's just Straight up guilty. Yeah, fair enough. I've seen that film twice now um, because my oh. friend came over last weekend and insisted on putting it on. It is pretty terrible, isn't it? I mean, like, if if money is for anything, it's to get Bill Nye to explain the origins of Mewtwo. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, yeah, wild. Okay, yeah, so that's fair. That's gone against me. I don't contest that. So we'll just move on to Exhibit B. Oh, boy. Okay, so, like I said, it gets bad, then it gets better. So we've got sonic chronicles the dark brotherhood on uh, oh, ds um, which i bought on 28th of february for four pound 77 which is very very cheap so i did originally own this and don't know what happened to it over the years i might give it to my brother or something but um bioware rpg with sonic characters i remember thinking was like a seven out of ten at the time to play it now it's like not very fun it has the kind of sort of mario luigi combat style sort of where you're tapping the screen to perform different moves yeah but um I don't know it's it's actually like a bit of a headache of a game but we've talked about on the Sonic episode about how the soundtracks just a series of blink, bleeps and bloops and it's just very confusing <laughs> um, yeah I don't really rate it but again I think like the th- thinking here was it as part of a varied DS collection of which I now have about a hundred DS and 3ds games combined mm. I don't think it's that bad for the price what do you think judge well I think,
1: I actually think I, I like, I, I didn't kick the face off this in in Endgamer in back mm. in the day. because I But I think I was swept up with just the, ooh, someone's really, you know, putting a lot of effort into something. Or it felt like they were, you know, treating it with a bit of uh, respect, which always got you a few bonus points. Um, but that was back then, you know, I think the Sonic Dark Brotherhood discourse has clearly sided on it's not very good. And it's in this period that you bought it second hand. I mean, I could have probably forgiven the original purchase. It's mad that you've bought it twice. Um <laughs> so yeah, I mean this one's guilty as hell. Wow, okay, so six points down, right? Uh yeah, you're currently minus six. Okay, yeah. Which means, you know, Wario is rubbing his hands together. He think he's he's gonna get to see a corpse today. <laughs> And a, a coat
0: just collapsed and um, <laughs> mysteriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, good stuff. This is where it gets slightly better. So, this is Exhibit C: Ghost Recon. Judge of that. <laughs> Ghost Recon: Shadow Wars um, for three ninety nine on the sixth of March, twenty twenty one. Three DS game. I think I bought this straight after we recorded our excellent and best three DS games episode with Joe, which is one of my favourites that we've done. And this came up. It's by um, designed by Julian Gollop, the XCOM creator. Uh, it is like XCOM. It is basically XCOM with Tom Clancy characters. A little whiff of Metal Gear Acid on the PSP as well. Just a kind of turn-based military style of it. It just reminds me a bit of Metal Gear Acid. So I played a bit of this. It's, um, it's a perfectly good XCOM-like and um, mm. probably one of the most interesting Tom Clancy games there is. What do you think, Judge?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like the sort of secret best 3DS launch game or one of the one of the best um maybe there's one I'm forgetting uh yeah abs- absolutely rock solid you know Julian Gollop brings brings some charm to it. and it's not I wouldn't say it's like a particularly characterful game because hmm. of the, you know the Tom Tom Clancy kind of does for that but yeah absolutely rock solid very enjoyable little uh, turn based tactics game doesn't exist in any other form as far as I know uh, so buying this for three ninety nine, that's a great shout.
0: Okay, good stuff. I, I must admit, I thought this is this really is like good, really good for for what it is. It comes slightly before people really appreciate XCOM again. I feel like that for Axis game in twenty twelve completely like reverses polarity on on people's um, perception of Julian Gollop, and he's suddenly like everyone's like, oh no, this guy is like a. a games industry legend and all of his games are really good and he kind of been making different versions of XCOM on um different platforms there's a game boy advance one i can't remember the yeah, name yeah rebel of star tactical command or something yeah yeah so yeah um that's uh he's just been doing his thing quietly over the years and now i think he's um genuinely appreciated for it so that's uh that's cool but yeah mm. i think yeah this is um not, not that they had much competition but yeah best 3ds launch game that sounds um sounds about right so exhibit d is Project X-Zone on 3DS, 16th of March, £20, um, which is a good price for for this game. So mash-up game with um, Sega, Capcom, uh, and Namco characters. Um, (laughs) The Namco one's less exciting, I would say. But um, Matthew, we talked a bit (laughs) about this in the 3DS games episode. What's your take on Project X-Zone?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was... Almost more exciting to write about and anticipate than maybe play. Like I, I don't think it is an exceptional game. I mean, it's exceptionally weird, and a lot of I think a lot of thought and effort's gone into it to kind of bring all those universes together. You're right; it does suffer because the Namco stuff is exceptionally weird. Like it's it's not a good advert for Namco's in-house characters. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not in love with it as an actual game but the idea of it's wild i think it's a very i think it is a cool thing to have in your 3ds collection 20 pounds yeah i mean i've have to take your word for it that that's a
0: decent price <laughs> yeah why not sure not guilty okay cool i almost bought the second one cuz that's got the uh, yakuza characters in it but um yeah I I did, I I did play a bit of this before this episode uh, it's like it is like a tactical rpg sort of where you yeah. do but where you do kind of real time combos as the battle start. It's a very odd thing, I would say. Mm. But I can see how it gets the most out of its different characters by allowing them to do their own sort of specific animations from their games and stuff. It's just very very strange the pitch of it. It's like there's <laughs> like a weird sort of strain of sort of like Japanese mashup games where you'll see characters from like Evangelion and stuff in a in a real mid budget like 5 out of 10 game that seems to be like a thing that happened for a while but right (laughs) yeah so project X so yeah i don't regret buying this but um yeah 20 pounds was pretty good it generally goes for about 30 quid or more so um next up then matthew is exhibit e heavenly sword on ps3 so bought this on 16th of march wait sorry 19th of march for 199 so almost (laughs) no money at all to the point where i don't know why someone even bothered going to the post office with it it's like, <laughs> you might as well not send it and not have to go anywhere. I'd pay £2 not to go to the post office, personally. <laughs> um, so yes, I own this. Um, That's a terrible business plan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever play this one, Matthew? I think it passed you by, right?
1: Yeah, this, this one passed you by. So like this one's based entirely on gut feeling. Um, what did you make of it when it came out originally?
0: So I thought it was like an interesting 7 out of 10. I've kind of got, um, I'm sure people would know who have listened to this episode, this podcast rather, have noticed that I have quite a lot of affection for this weird early part of the PS3 lifespan. I sort of like a love-hate thing. Um, mm. That's partly why I picked this up. I, I have like um, most of the PS3 exclusives on my shelf and this is what I didn't have. I actually haven't played it since it first came out Where I, when I gave it, I believe, 76% for play, I think. Maybe 78. Mm. Um, so I go. I gave it, I guess, like a 7 out of 10 at a time uh, judge. So factor that into your um
1: yeah i mean i think stockholm syndrome may be playing a part here (laughs) from those early ps3 days you've seen it and you've had a you know an opportunity to to go back to those heady days something about the price of 199 on this makes me feel like the world has decided its value i i feel like uh i haven't played it but my gut is saying this has got to be guilty Wow. Okay, that's
0: like a bit of a shock verdict. I think. I, I think this. is... Oh,
1: yep. nom. nom, 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 nom. <laughs> that's the court. That isn't. Uh, was
0: that the court? Or was that me eating a foot long subway in <laughs> in thirty seconds? <laughs> On this podcast, you can never tell. Um, Payne's wig just flew off again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how how that... did he? Oh, that's right Because every time it flies off, one of the
1: Pitmen goes and fetches it and brings it back. <laughs>
0: Matthew why is there a coat moving around on the floor of the courtroom? <laughs>
1: I don't know uh, it happened it happens during one of my many subway breaks
0: <laughs> Wow okay this is um, some legal system you're operating here <laughs> okay cool so um yeah I think that the next three are like pure matt castle choices so okay I'm pretty well, sure they better be
1: for your sake cause, um <laughs> currently I got my guy firing up old reliable.
0: Uh, that's the electric chair okay good yeah i love the idea of firing up what he's gonna give it a test run just get someone to sit in it and then like hey gary just sit here we'll just you have to sort of spin a wheel to charge it up (laughs) it's like a ds mini game you've got to do it with a stylus on the screen you know yeah that's exactly (laughs) how it works (laughs) okay so exhibit f is another code two memories on ds um that's bought that on the 31st of march for eight pounds seventy eight So, Matthew, why don't you talk about this one, because you know they're going so well.
1: Yeah, this is Sing's first DS game. A game that for a long time was just sort of famous because it has a puzzle that you solve by closing the lid. Sing's sort of original gimmick, and the thing they were famous for was using the hardware brilliantly in lots of different puzzles, where I think now, actually, what... A lot of people look fondly on is more the tone and vibe of their games, but back then it was more just like these guys are so gimmicky, it's wild. You've got to play it. Yeah, I have a I have a lot of affection for this game. I don't think it is their best work. Like narratively, it's quite simple. It's a lot more puzzle focused than story focused. Um, I actually, when I interviewed friend gamer, there was a writing test where he had to write a, you know, a hundred and fifty sort of review roundup style review. Before the interview, this is what I wrote about. Yeah. So I have a a natural affection for it because that because I feel like I owe my job to it a bit. Mm. Yeah, like uh, a bit of a curio. Seem to do better work, but I I simply can't can't punish someone for for including this. So yeah, that's uh, that's not guilty.
0: It totally belongs in a in like a, a broad kind of like DS 3DS collection as well. I think the game like this. Yeah, I will say playing it, I didn't think the writing was very good and i think yeah. that actually this 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 kind of applies to the next game i'm going to pick as well but um i sometimes think these games have like an amazing vibe but getting their getting their own way a bit when it comes to mechanics or being a bit tedious for no reason um mm. whereas maybe like hotel dusk boils down what sings good at in a in a better way than this Matthew. i don't know but
1: um yeah i mean this has Like, this is shaped more like an adventure, because you're going to this island to, like, try and find something. So it's got a bit more, like, momentum to it, which maybe sits at odds with their more mellow vibe, where Hotel Dusk is about just hanging out at a quite boring hotel. (laughs) And so it kind of plays into, you know, their vibe better. But, you know let's let's not try and talk yourself out of this one <laughs> like this is this is not guilty let's let's not
0: color it yeah this is my only shot of not getting it executed so i should, yeah. um, should go with it okay exhibit g is a uh, flower sun and rain on the ds which i bought on 31st of march for 9.99 now i think this is a worse game than another code 2 memories because this really gets in its own way with like arbitrary mechanics and slow bits and stuff i played about an hour of it matthew i gotta say it's like it's incomprehensible, but I would defend it as like a good Curio for a DS collection again. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I recommended it to, to Pseudo fans back in the day. It is baffling. I think it's baffling to the point that I, d- I don't think it really makes sense as a standalone game. Like, it, it ties into the bigger Pseudoverse in a way that you can't appreciate on DS because the other bits aren't there. It did make me laugh though, as a standalone thing. I like the mad music. I was probably more into Suda's thing back then than I am now. But Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a cool curio to have in a collection.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh yeah, it's um yeah certainly certainly an interesting game. I feel like a lot of the the visual style of it is great. It's a quite it's a weird thing, them um, 3D graphics on the DS. They they could be quite rough. And um, in this case it's both like rough and beautiful at the same time. But you get the sense that this would if Suda made a game that had this vibe, but wasn't so like heavy on arbitrary mechanics and wasting your time, it would probably be quite successful and acclaimed, because mm. his writing is fun. So, good. All right, cool. Another one in my uh, favour. Slowly getting out of um, my death sentence here. So it... I mean, you are still firmly in the death zone currently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. But I think I've got a strong streak coming up, and then like okay. one possible danger zone at the end. It's going to be um, interesting. So, Exhibit H, Matthew, is Contact on DS. So, I bought this in the second of April for four ninety nine. Now, this is a game I know very little about, but isn't the little man in it your um, your avatar on Twitter?
1: It is my avatar on Twitter. It was my reviews avatar in Endgamer. because when I joined, they were like, "You need like a sprite uh, to represent you," and I didn't pick this because I particularly like Contact. <laughs> I don't think it's an amazing game. Like, it's quite a baffling rpg with some quite s- strange mechanics but almost like the suda stuff it has this uh amazing c- kind of character and a sense of style to it this one yeah this one i'm, I'm gonna put a hand up Sir, so i've never actually finished contact that's how how much i didn't get on with it playing it but uh it would feel churlish of me to execute you for something which is i've used as my avatar for almost 13 years <laughs> is that churlish
0: Oh no! Well, the judge is making the rules here, like a mad dictator. Yeah, so.
1: no, I'm just trying to. I don't know. I'm looking around the court. <laughs> I'm looking into the eyes of everyone. Don't look I at what Mario Mar- wants Wario. me to do. It. He's up for it. He's like guilty. He's chanting guilty. Uh, he just wants. To see... He
0: just wants blood. That's all. If that's Mario the wants.
1: thing. I mean, and he's sick, and I don't know if I want to kind of uh, humor him really. <laughs> the monkeys look sad so i'm gonna say not guilty
0: (laughs) okay good wario is furious of course and throws (laughs) one of the monkeys uh an of aggression unnecessary okay so exhibit i this is where it gets interesting because this could go either way so i bought x-men origins wolverine uncaged edition on april 11th for 2.99 so i partly bought this as research for best games of 2009 because i wanted to talk about it a bit because i knew it was one of the sort of like oddities of that year that they made an 18 rated marvel game where wolverine just goes around slashing dudes and blood goes everywhere which is something you never see in the films i admit you do see in logan a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah so i thought i'd buy it and play it i didn't think it was very good i think that actually if you compare this to action games of its time like you know the higher end stuff like devil may cry 4 i think Devil May cry 4 holds up really well compared to something like this this is quite quite rough but um in sort of magazine freelance uh, parlance matthew it's a great two-pager, you know, you know, you, you make a bit of money, you finish it in 6 hours, you've got it done by like Sunday night and you can um, you can enjoy the rest of your evening. You know, it's a classic. Uh, you know, you're a staff writer, go review it. Kind of job. So yeah. yeah. So that's um that's this one, Matthew. What does the judge make of it?
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right about that where this fits in as the that that kind of kind of throwaway kind of sort of 6 out of 10 freelancers like it i also think it's it's like the end of a certain era or maybe an era that had already finished at that time so maybe it's kind of more of a callback to just sort of quite like childish violence yeah you know it's 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 the kind of game that like a 12 or 13 year old really wants their big brother to buy them right you know it kind of it taps back into the kind of you know the like the, the mortal combat thing and the soldier of fortune it's like needlessly violent not in a very interesting way but probably like gory enough in screenshots to kind of tempt people i kind of have an affection for that that sort of genre of games like they're not great but i think they are quite key parts of like a of an adolescent gaming diet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not the best game, but I think I'm going to say I'm going to say not guilty because you know it makes me think fondly of old bloodlust. I mean, really, I should say guilty because you know if I have such a bloodlust, you know I can literally make a person big executed today, <laughs> which would which would be rad. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna do the grown up thing and say not guilty. Okay. Yeah, and note that the judge just said uh, rad um, about killing someone. That's um...
1: <laughs> Well, I, I, sorry, I
0: shouldn't give away. I mean, it would be awful, <laughs> and it would weigh heavily on me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great stuff. Okay, good. In no way is this a sham trial. Um, so, uh, So um, yeah, I, I think we're about halfway through, Matthew. got have got a few more here. I think you're um, you're going to enjoy these next few as well. So I mean, we're about halfway through. I will say you were still in the death zone. Okay. I think... I might, it could go either way here, so we'll see um, See how it goes, but, okay, so Exhibit J is uh, Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword on DS, which I bought April 15th for £5. Now, this is a weird game, because I thought this would be like, a, I thought this would be a 2D throwback game to the Ninja Gaiden games, but it's not that. It's like a 3D game. You hold it like a book and you swipe the screen to perform sword attacks, making it a bit more similar to the um, Xbox 360 Ninja Gaiden games. I think I might have bought this because they remastered them early this year. Um, that remaster sounded like it was a bit of a bust, unfortunately, um, because, mm. yeah, those original Xbox ones were exquisite, but you can play those on backwards compatibility. But, um, yeah, have you, did you play this one, Matthew? Because it's a very strange game, a very strange spin off to exist. I did, I did play it. Um,
1: I remember thinking this was okay. I remember thinking this was a like clearly some thought had gone into how to translate an experience into this quite unique hardware. I am such a sucker for book format DS games, <laughs> like that. That instantly kind of gets me on board a little bit. I remember this looking quite nice because it. I think it has the sort of. I uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the sort of ninja gardenery, sort of pre rendered backgrounds. Yeah sort of energy to it
0: yeah the 3d characters actually look really good as well considering that's the
1: thing it frees up a bit of heft for the character by doing that yeah i I can't remember if it was like an amazingly satisfying technical experience like as a fighting game but i don't i don't remember it being i certainly don't remember it being terrible i mean i'm probably giving away too many easy shortcuts here to like future purchasing decisions but i think simply for being a Book held DS game. I've got to say, not guilty.
0: Okay, yeah, five pounds is a good price as well. I think for some. Yeah, like yeah,
1: that's yeah. I'm surprised because that doesn't feel that feels like it would be harder to get your hands on.
0: Yeah, I think it's because it's published by Ubisoft here. So there's loads of copies floating around. But um, yeah, I think it's um, the the one criticism I'd level at this is the um, it can sometimes be a bit incomprehensible between like um, movement and uh, slashing the screen. But I will say that the mm. the act of slashing the screen at enemies feels really good. It feels like Mm. nice kind of chunky combat and uh, yeah that's something I don't think I've really enjoyed in in other a phenomenon I've not really had in other DS games so I think it's definitely got a place. Okay another one in my favor. Um, So the next one Matthew I've not played at all but I know you would have played so um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So um, this is Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow which I bought on April 17th for £22. So another DS game. I remember you didn't like one of the later Castlevania DS games when we discussed it on one of these um podcasts. But mm-hmm. what do you make of this one? This one is brilliant.
1: This is this is the best DS Castlevania by far, I think. Now, there is disagreement over this. A lot of people like Order of Ecclesia, which is the one I don't really like. I think the problem with why well, it's fine. I think the problem with the other DS games is that that Dawn of Sorrow was the first one and it just it lands so perfectly for me. That they can't help but suffer afterwards. I, mean, I think the, the 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 big thing in this is that it's you know very much like Symphony of the Night. It's just a big ass castle, very satisfying to explore. Like the the actual construct of the world is is really like coherent. It really sells you on this one massive location. Um, there's a little bit outside as you kind of come up to it where the other games just get a lot bitier and you know they may have more sophisticated action systems um, but actually like the act of exploring a castle is super important to me in this series so i think i think dawn of sorrow is absolutely rad a big kind of uh really deep sort of weapon system we can Get all kinds of different fighting styles. Loads of really good secrets. Looks absolutely gorgeous. I mean, this team always made amazing-looking sprite games.
0: Yeah, I, I think this game's absolutely fab. Okay, good. It looks fantastic as well. And yeah. And these feel like games. I, I just can't see them porting to other systems. Because they're on DS, it would take too much work. You can see why the GBA ones are like being rumoured for a re-release. But this would probably take Konami more work, and I just can't see them doing it. So, hmm. yeah. 3DS, but as DS purchasers, yeah, they're good. But I will say these games have become incredibly expensive to get hold of. Mm. I think... Um, they're maybe... good. Yeah, exactly. Their reputation's grown and obviously Konami just stopped making them as well. So, um, all right, cool. That's, um, yeah, nice to hear your take on that one, Matthew. So, Exhibit L. This is a really interesting one. And one that I think people asked us to discuss on a previous Best Games of X episode, but didn't come up for whatever reason. So Silent Hill Shattered Memories on Wii. I bought on 28th of April for £47. All the Silent Hill games, including, like, Silent Hill 2 on PS2, which was a, you know, a plat- it was released in platinum, it was, like, you know, dirt cheap for years and years, all go for, like, really, really high prices now. Because um, YouTubers have basically, like, stoked up the mythology of these games to, the, right. to, to, far, to far exceed their actual quality. It's, like, it's a really weird thing. But, um... <laughs> I was really curious what you made of this one, Matthew, because this is, like, considered a kind of cult favourite Wii game, but I understand that you're not as massive on it as some other people. Am I wrong about that?
1: Yeah, I'm not
0: as massively
1: into this, and I... But... It's it's a tricky one. This so whenever it comes up, it's it's sort of widely held as this cult classic, just a gr- like a great survival horror game. And you know, every year or so there'll be a, a, a bout of excitement about this on Twitter. And I kind of sort of hold my tongue a bit because it it just feels sort of churlish to wander into that conversation, going, "Well, I don't like it." Uh, and it's not that I don't like it; it just doesn't entirely work for me. So the the big problem I have with Shattered Memories is that it really clearly delineates between when you are in peril and when you aren't. So you're exploring the town, and the gimmick in this one is that the town gets, like, frozen in ice, and that's when the monsters come out and you have to run away from them. But the deal is, if there is no ice, if the, you know, and it's quite clearly a break, you know, a cutscene happens, and it's kind of semi-scripted, and it basically means if you're not in Ice World, there's no monsters which I think really undoes the tension of this. And then when you are in the ice world, it's always an escape sequence, which means you are running towards an empty bit of the level. So all the monsters and interesting stuff is behind you and you don't don't actually see any of it. And I think that is just, I think that is a huge flaw with this game Hmm. that it either has no monsters or you can't see them because they're behind you. And so... It's kind of theoretically scary. I just don't think it's scary at all. Mm. But it is beautifully made. It's incredibly thoughtful. It was written by Sam Barlow, who went on to do her story and others. And this was a classic, someone really putting a lot of effort into a Wii game. I know it was also on PS2 and, and PSP. It, it, it was clearly made for the Wii in terms of like like remote functionality and everything. Very packed with interesting ideas. It has this... Um, Sort of framing device where you're talking to a psychologist and the answers you give them affect things in the world, and it's also allegedly it registers like how you play it and alters the story, so like if you focus on certain things, it will change elements of the story. I must admit I found that stuff kind of more interesting on paper than I did in the game, like that the sort of psychological depth of it is. More clever than, than super obvious. Like you'd have to point out to me what the changes were. Like it just didn't have that effect on me. So yeah, I I completely get why people love this game because it's so packed with interesting ideas. But I think it is also a a bit of a bust as a pure horror experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm gearing up to. I haven't played this yet. I'm gearing up to play this. A bunch of Wii games and I've, I've got my Wii U out and sensor bar plugged in and stuff. So I will definitely give this a try. I find it's fascinating that this was made in my hometown of Portsmouth.
1: Yeah, it's word climax. Or oh, they had a studio on basically a pier.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Gunwolf Keys. Did you go there on a trip? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, wow, yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's inside basically a shopping complex, which is uh, quite funny. Just find it fascinating the idea you could live around Hampshire and make a game that's got like um, Akira Yamaoka music in it. That's just like kind of wild. Yeah, yeah,
1: it is. <sighs> I'd say, like outside of the original teams games, it's definitely like the most interesting one they did when they started sort of farming out to the west. Mm. Um,
0: There's a bumpy ride I, for Silent Hill around this time.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I think I've got to say not, I've got to say not guilty, really, because like my personal problems with it, it it's more just a, a question of taste rather than it being like a bad game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a not guilty.
0: This one will also probably never re-release, and also. You know because obviously the, the Wii stuff is like inherent to it and also um I think the price will just keep going up over the years too so it doesn't feel like a bad purchase to me mm. yeah okay good yeah yeah no it's it's certainly a, an interesting thing okay cool so we've only got I think we've got seven left now so we'll fire through these so exhibit M is Resident Evil 2 on PS1 Matthew I bought that on April 22nd for 16 pound 95. I think this is because I I think there was something up with how I couldn't get Resident Evil 2. Oh yeah, we've talked about this before. Resident Evil 2, you can't buy it on PS Vita unless you get it on the US store, I think it is. Which basically means
1: reformatting your Vita.
0: Yeah, which I couldn't be bothered to do, so I decided to just buy um a PS1 copy and play it on my PS3. I was um admittedly I bought this around the time we did our Resi episode, so I was just um in that headspace a little bit. I never finished the original Resident Evil 2 um Mm. i got i think i might have finished the leon campaign and not the claire one or the other way around but it's been a long Mm. long time so hadn't revisited these um you know as we discussed the uh, the the remake is quite different to it really um in terms of like the feel and and everything and so yeah a bit of a curiosity purchase but um beautiful um copy of it i got from uh cx i assume they just put it in a new case or something but it looked really nice looked like a brand new game basically so what do you make of this one matthew
1: yeah, I mean, I, I replayed this on Vita. I went through the, the, the faff of reformatting and all that uh, just before the remake came out so I could have a, a bit more of a sort of informed take, sort of refresh memories. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's a classic. You, ca- you can't really argue with Resident Evil 2. You know, I still remember... When this first came out, we didn't have a PlayStation, but I remember seeing a very brief clip of it on a TV show, and I think it was like the zombies pulling themselves out of the drawers in the morgue, <laughs> and I remember just thinking, that is going to be the scariest thing ever. I couldn't imagine anything scarier than that <laughs>
0: uh, at whatever
1: age I was. Yeah, I, th- I think it holds up really well. I, you know,
0: I don't think you can really argue with that. Yeah, the price isn't bad either. This is another series that's gotten quite expensive to hoop, to hoover up. Survival horror, I think, is just like such fertile ground for YouTubers that they just you know, and, and people like the idea of artifact kind of horror games. Um, mm. Younger generations who weren't there at the time to actually play these. So uh, yeah, plus I did actually start playing the original um, Resident Evil on um, my PS Vita, and that game holds up really well as well. They're just they're just fantastic games. Um, be nice See, I've, if, I've,
1: yeah. I've only ever played the original one as the remake.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, I was someone pointed out they're both, like, you know, they're both worth experiencing. And, yeah, for I can absolutely see why, minus the terrible cutscenes and voice acting, the sort of, like, style of it at the time would have been so dazzling to, um, to players. Like, it really is, like, the ultimate collision of, like, cheesy pop culture nonsense and genuine class. Like, it's a genuinely classy game, but about something quite trashy. Um, mm. That's what's, like, fantastic about Resident Evil. And, um, yeah, so... I don't regret that one. Good. I feel like... That's, is... that's the energy of this podcast, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically, yeah. We're just, uh, yeah, T- taking trash. Uh, talk about trash like it is, like um, gold, basically. Yeah. Um So, we have a few more then. So, Exhibit N, Matthew, is another Matt Castle game, I think. Golden Sun Dark Dawn on DS. So, oh, yeah. I bought this for £19 from CX on May 15th. And I did start playing the GBA, original Golden Sun, recently. and I thought it was pretty cool um pretty cool kind of like rpg uh series with action elements um looks really nice i think when any time that there's a nintendo direct someone fruitlessly says make a new golden sun nintendo which they're never gonna do um <laughs> so i was curious matthew what you made of this ds one which i don't know loads about but i know is 3d right as well
1: I I really loved this. Um, I think I liked it more than most. The thing I love about this is that you have uh, kind of these sort of summons, which the kind of combat's sort of built around. They give you different combat abilities, and it's kind of turn-based combat. And that's that's all fine, but what I really liked is that the... um, the kind of summons you have also translate to kind of, of uh, abilities in the real world, like action abilities. And there's there's almost a sort of uh, a light Zelda element to it, like the, the you know the dungeons. You use your powers to kind of navigate and solve light puzzles. And it's just enough to push those dungeons above the usual layer of. You know, it's kind of a problem I have with general JRPGs, is that you know the dungeons are just Like endless corridors full of random battle encounters. There's not. There's there's very rarely any interest, any interesting like gameplay hook Mm. or angle to them. But here, like your magic powers do have a use in the overworld, and it sells you on this quite kind of sort of adventurous sort of spirit that this game has. That's what I really like about Golden Sun. I thought this did just did a really really nice job. I thought this was great. I loved it. okay great sounds like another one in my favor then matthew this is definitely not guilty um i do i i I know some people are less keen on it and some people who are keen on the game boy advance games weren't as into the ds one but i I just thought it was i thought it was class
0: it's actually kind of weird that the series ends here because you'd think that this would be you know for this is such a golden era for so many nintendo series that suddenly blow up on ds but this is kind of an exception where it just sort of ends here. Um, yeah, you know. I
1: might just guess it didn't do the numbers. Or it's like a, you know, I wonder if there's a lot of DS games which are kind of hangovers from the GBA, you know, period, where they're like, well, of course we'll do a sequel to that. It was big on GBA, and then the character of the DS is so different, and by the time you know that, you've already far along enough that you're like, well, let's make these things. It doesn't really fit into how we talk about this console. You know, Golden Sun like did not get a lot of love for Nintendo in terms of, you know, conference time and stuff like that because they're too busy talking about, you know, Wii Motion Plus or whatever. <laughs> so it's it's just a like a game that just didn't didn't fit where they were, even though it's perfectly perfectly good.
0: Yeah, um, great even. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, it certainly feels like another good addition to my DS collection. Yeah, so, uh... oh
1: yeah, and one step further from the electrocutionist chair.
0: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right then. So this is the this is where the I think this. Sorry, that actually
1: suggested that the person who runs the chair is called an electrocutioner, which I don't <laughs> think is a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's like you go to a careers fair when you're a student and they're like, "Hey, have you considered becoming an electrocutioner?" And this is a picture of, and a they're like, "What's that?" And it's like, "Well, it's a,
1: it's an electricity based executioner."
0: <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, I definitely it's it's just that." <laughs> uh, okay this could really tip it either way this one so exhibit o is sonic colors on ds which i bought on may 16th for four pounds again who is sending these games out for such a low price how can <laughs> you be bothered to go to the post office crazy but um i bought this around the time we did the sonic episode uh, i just wanted to kind of fill in some knowledge gaps it was so so little money and the sonic colors games are considered probably the most acclaimed of the um nintendo era of sonic games It's like perfectly fine to mix up the usual Sonic formula. Has very nice uh, 2D art, I would say. And uh, yeah, generally speaking, I think it's like another of those sort of 7 out of 10 uh, DS Sonic games, really, Matthew. But uh, did you ever play this one? I didn't. I only played the Wii game, which makes it it feel
1: unfair for me to put any kind of pressure on it. (laughs)
0: Because did you you kind of accept that that was a reasonably good Wii game?
1: Yeah, the Wii Wii game is good. Like it's probably the best of the 3D Sonics.
0: Yeah, that's probably why they're remastering it this year.
1: Yeah, and it it makes that makes sense. The DS one, I just don't remember. I mean, if it had anything particularly special, probably I would remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's very difficult because there's like I'm weighing up lots here. Let me let me talk you through my thought process here. I'm I'm weighing up a lot here as a judge. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking what's fair. Yeah, I'm thinking. You know, what's going to get people coming back to my court
0: room? <laughs> what? What are you like, our WWE pay-per-view or something?
1: Sort of. <laughs> I want to make sure I put on a good show for the crowd. Right, right, you right. You know, because even though it's free to come in, like we do sell merchandise outside, <laughs> uh, it's one of those courts. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> you know, uh,
1: and the drama, just the drama for the, you know, the drama for the listener. Yeah, Um, don't forget
0: to pick up your shirt that says uh, I watched a man die in uh, Matt Castle's
1: courtroom. Yeah, my parents went to Games Court and all they got was the whiff of death in their nostrils. (laughs) Uh, For the sake of drama, let's say guilty. Oh, fuck. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. If it was the Wii one, though, it probably would have gone in my favour, right? Oh, if it was the Wii one, absolutely fine. The DS one... I don't really know what I'm talking about, so that sounds like a good excuse <laughs> to send the out to his death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I guess I can't argue with that logic. All I can do is make my case for my final four games. So, Exhibit P is Lunar Nights on DS. This was, the, I believe, the only Kojima Productions um, DS game. It's kind of a follow-up to the uh, Boktai series. And uh, this was £22.49, and it's, I would say, like, it was, like, one of the highest-rated games in the system. Very acclaimed. When you look at the um, DS on Metacritic, I, I saw this pop up, and it was, like, I think it got 80-something. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I remember them talking about it at the time, kind of, like, shooter um, shootery thing. I've never played Boktai. It always seemed conceptually flawed, being in the UK, which is perennially um, overcast. But um, people seemed to quite like it. <laughs> Boktai this... hard mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, go live in, like, Sweden during, like, um, yeah... During the, when it's like night time or something Yeah,
1: wh- wherever it is that Al Pacino is, is, in, is in insomnia.
0: <laughs> yeah, where is he in
1: that? Oh, he's like in the north of, is it Pacific Northwest, something like that? Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. If Al Pacino had taken Boktai with him in that film, he would have had a much better time because <laughs> even though he can't sleep, he would have ruled a Boktai.
0: It, it's also the era of, that was the era of Boktai too. So yeah, a yeah. Real, real oversight. I'm surprised by. they didn't do that tie-in. A <laughs> real oversight by um, Christopher Nolan. C- <laughs> um, so, so yeah it's kind of a, kind of an interesting an interesting game i've um i will confess i've not played it yet matthew but um there they took out the solar sensor thing um but they uh basically apparently if you plug in the um boktai uh, gba cartridge you can bring that functionality back um, which is quite uh quite a funny idea so i thought this was an interesting curiosity purchase i sort of stand by it on that basis it has really nice art the screenshots look really good and felt like a good kind of like secondary ds game for my collection so where do you stand on this one
1: yeah, I, I've got to put my hand up and say I haven't played this one either. But you know, I, you know, I remember thinking, oh, it's sort of a you know, it, it it lost its unique selling point a little bit. But like you say, you can you can connect it to the thing. It is gorgeous. It's a really handsome game. I mean, purely, you know, this podcast is a very like Kojima friendly zone. Um, everything except and- like
0: everything except horny Kojima that we're, we're friendly to, basically.
1: Yeah, even then
0: though. Oh, we're going to do our episode about quiet and um, ten reasons we yeah. love quiet.
1: <laughs> That's a piece of merchandise I'm selling outside of game school, <laughs> but
0: a really bad like knockoff version. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm horny for quiet
0: <laughs> That's the T-shirt.
1: Um, yeah, I, I listen. I. It, It'd be uninformed of me, I mean it's uninformed either way. But I'm going to say not guilty.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think this is um, this is uh, yeah definitely like one that I'm going to I'm going to play in the next um, next couple of months. on my DS, I've been cycling through these. I played, I've made a concerted effort to play a lot more of these for this episode, as people might have noticed. I've got you know thoughts on on some of them, mm. um, a, a, you know, a mixture of like uh, sort of oddball adventure games that kind of get in their own way with wacky dialogue and mechanics and um, yeah, just other kind of like weird DS oddities, so yeah, okay, cool, in which case then, we come to Exhibit Key, Matthew, which is um, a bit of a hard turn here, it's this is Alien Trilogy on PS1, which I bought for four ninety nine on eBay, can't remember why I bought this, but I put it straight to my PS3, played it, it's basically Doom with um, Xenomorphs, and was acclaimed at the time, and um, it might have been because they announced that Aliens uh, Fireteam Elite game actually. Which um has big seven out of ten energy based on the reviews, but yeah, so I don't know if you ever played this one, but
1: i I haven't you'll have to tell me all about it and in such a way that I uh, end up liking it so come on
0: okay, yeah, so it basically uh, like loosely adapts the the story of the um of the films and has the kind of usual alien fps kind of uh, you know mechanics of the little motion tracker going off and then them kind of like popping out of nowhere I think the fact that it's um it has this sort of like Doom style uh sort of like old ass graphics, works in its favour. It's considered a better game than the later, kind of like more three D ish um Alien Resurrection mm. that released on PS One. Um just it's but it's really, really straightforward. It's walking around levels and uh shooting aliens in the dark. And I think that is always quite a good formula for a game. But this um this happens to be one of the better the better ways to enjoy that experience that exists in video games. There's obviously a you know increasing amount of bad alien games out there. So um mm.
1: How does it handle
0: alien? Only having one alien, it's basically like it doesn't really delineate it, the story. It isn't really a story. It's just a series of levels, uh, basically. It's just like right. yeah. I think the alien trilogy thing is just maybe it's because Die Hard trilogy existed, and they thought we'll tap into that. But you're right. I mean, you can't really doomify the original Alien, can you? Or Alien Three, really? Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't. Um, that's not really a factor. It's kind of just feels like Aliens writ large, really turned into an FPS um it would be really interesting for someone to
1: try and you know to have one game which actually you know acknowledge the unique character of those three films and try to like pay some homage to that yeah this is not
0: that game um it's not that game yeah it's much more like doom or dark forces in um in first person but i think i do think it's like uh uh, it was definitely like a kind of whim purchase but it has um lots of fucked up looking variants on the alien and um yeah i think yeah just a, a sort of like good oddity from a sort of like weird era for this series where it was like kind of just turned into commodified for action nonsense and merchandise mm. you know what listen you make a
1: compelling case like i say i haven't played this one i know you know I've 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 read plenty of positive things
0: about it i'm gonna i'm gonna say not guilty the alien queen they do in this which i have not reached by the way i did watch a quick clip of it on youtube it looks really fucked up coming out of the dark it's like really a nasty like sprite thing they made for it um yeah big echo the dolphin vibes there. Uh, and of course the alien queen joins us in the courtroom today <laughs> yeah it's great to see her she's wearing one of those um i'm horny for quiet uh shirts uh, <laughs>
1: yeah it's awkward though because on the other side of the courtroom there's uh ellen ripley in the um power loader yeah it's kind of that's that's a bit orcs yeah that's uh
0: (laughs) tough for everyone involved so um yeah wow okay it's like it's like harvey birdman this court basically isn't it (laughs) um (laughs) okay so uh second to last game here matthew this is fear on the xbox 360 which i bought on july 20th for two pounds 75 so First person shooter from Monolith. Um, Very straightforward, like going through offices and shooting dudes, but the gunplay feels really nice. Um, I remember this being like an early days, like pre-Halo 3. The Xbox had a weirdly good amount of FPS games early on. I think that just became like the DNA of the original Xbox and that just carried on Mm. to 360 with uh, horror elements as well and quite a nice physicality to the combat. I thought this was backwards compatible on Xbox One, but it's not, which is really weird because you'd think that this would be a game that they'd make available, right? But yeah, I don't know. For some reason you can't but obviously i still have an xbox 360 it's plugged into my tv um i have i you know i've played this a little bit before i don't think i ever owned it i think i borrowed it from the office or something but um yeah i thought i'd just play it because i wanted to do a bit do a bit of research ahead of a, a halloween episode we've got coming up matthew mm. and um yeah fear on 360 did you ever play it i played fear on pc nice yeah um that would have been a good place to play it too, i guess but um i just fancy playing on my tv so what do you yeah, make yeah
1: i mean i love this game really great aggressive enemy ai just just really punchy to fight i love the horror element because it's it's like super old fashioned scares it's like jump scares and spooky j-horror stuff popping out of holes and things like i don't think it makes any claims to being sophisticated which is why it's good and it actually works i loved fear on pc if that's indicative of fear on 360 then this has got to be not guilty
0: yeah this was a good a good port and this is an example of a series that really loses the thread of what it's good at very quickly the second one is very it's got like mechs and stuff and it's just not the same yeah. thing
1: it got too wrapped up in the lore of its stupid horror verse, with, like, Alma as this sort of uh, horror figure. You know, it became very much about, like, her backstory and unpicking all that. And she was much more effective as just this, like, scary sprog kind of <laughs> jumping out. There's a really good jump scare on a ladder in this. Yeah. Um, it- which I think I'll remember as, like, an all-timer.
0: Yeah, like you say, it's not sophisticated. It's just, it's just like we watched three J horror films in the early noughties and thought yeah. it'd be rad to have an FPS where she pops it up. Just and...
1: were yeah, super simple. I mean, it's weird because settings wise, it's quite drab. It's like offices and things like that. You know, it kind of, it 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 doesn't do anything like exceptional in in that space. But mm-hmm. it it just
0: it feels so good that it, it kind of steps over that perfectly fine. Yeah. Between this and, like, Condemned, you had some quite interesting games coming out of Monolith at this point. Um, It's a shame they just sort of, like, I don't know, I guess now they make Lord of the Rings games. What can you do? But, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't don't regret buying this. £2.75 is almost nothing as well. Nothing at all to just play this on my 360. So, um, yeah, what does the judge make of this one? Not guilty? It's not guilty. Okay, good. Uh, Is it, like, even possible? Actually, no, maybe we should save that for the end, whether I've actually, like, it's even possible for me to have turned it around at this point. But... Last one, Matthew, is Exhibit S, Burnout 3 Takedown. I bought this on August 9th, which I think is just after we recorded the PS2 Mini Draft episode where you selected this um, for sports. Very clever. (laughs) Picking something which you know I just endorsed. (laughs) Well, um, this was one I only played a bit of at the time around a friend's house. I played a lot more of Burnout 2, actually, uh, which is also Mm. very good. But £4.95 this on the original Xbox. um, Runs backwards, compatible with 360. Uh, obviously you know arcade racing whack the nitrous button um you know have some nice crashes use the aftertouch thing to turn them into super fun stunts and stuff the most complete burnout game of the original type of burnout formula so matthew i guess this is a not guilty right i mean this it's a shame
1: because we could have had a really spectacular ending here but you've saved you i mean you've arguably saved the best till last or one of the best till last mm. uh it's a great game this is the yeah, the one the burnout team themselves believe is like the fullest exploration of that idea. Um it's their favourite of it. Yeah, I and mean, this is just just great fun. At the time just looked amazing. Like so so it's such a pizzazz, you know, this there's, there's such sort of showmanship to this game that I really, really enjoy. Um it's big, daft, really good fun. Yeah, this is not guilty. It's not guilty as hell.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, I played a bit of it and the other day, and I was just like, oh, this, there is no modern equivalent to this, really. That's what's the bummer about it. It's just, like, of its time, I guess, but, I don't know, people would still mm. enjoy this if it still existed in this form, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, there's always dangerous driving.
0: Yeah, is the second, is there a second one of those coming out at
1: some point? Oh, they must be working on something. Yeah, I quite like the first one. It, it doesn't have the same, like you know sort of scale to it because it's a much smaller team but Mm. the actual core you know mechanics of driving really fast and dangerously and the excitement of that i think it nails really really well um i just think that some people struggle to get past the fact that it is like visually a bit simpler and doesn't have the same level of just polish and expense yeah but it's you know I, i i i actually thought the last one they made was pretty great so
0: yeah, I think that it would help if the the name was a bit less Alan Partridge Presents on VHS, Dangerous Driving. You know what I mean? Like, it's got that kind of <laughs> flavour to right, it. Right, right. Um, like, it's Crash Bang, what a, what a Video. It's got a bit of that vibe to it. Yeah. Whereas Burnout is such a perfect word to describe that series. Like it's Yeah. A, that's a great name for a game, that is. Um, dangerous yeah. dri- dangerous Driving is a little bit more of a hard sell. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe if a second one, if they just, you know, they've built a load of assets for that first one, they'll just... Um, They'll just amp it up and maybe it'll get closer and closer to that burnout mm. experience. Like you say, it sucks that no one's really making it otherwise. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we've reached the end, Matthew. We got through a whole bunch of them there. Like I say, that's probably the end of purchase for me for a while. You can see there that, like, I've only made three in the past, like, five months. So it's um, slowing down a little bit um, because, um, the, you know, I'm double jabbed, baby, and going to restaurants, <laughs> you know, I'm out there in the real world. So what's happened? Like, what's the um, verdict from the judge?
1: So, uh the numbers i'm just i'm just tallying them up uh-huh. so obviously if you're into the minus numbers you get executed if yeah. you're into the plus numbers you walk free but there's a chance that Wario might kill you out in the entrance <laughs> hall
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah strangle me with one of the promotional t-shirts or something. Like that.
1: <laughs> so that would be the twist at the end of the film if you do walk free yeah the final result i can reveal you have four points Oh, so not guilty. Ah, oh. not guilty. Bad oh. bad, bad, bad. Oh, the court celebrates the monkeys are tap dancing. The Pikmin's are I don't know, they're carrying Wario out because he's just collapsed out of disappointment that he's not going to see a man die. Yeah. Uh, even uh Ellen and the, the alien queen are
0: embracing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pain has retrieved his um uh his wig and um yeah <laughs> yeah he's one of the little pikmin broy over to him and um that's good uh so yeah i um i'm shocked actually because i really thought those first few would like actually like properly kill it but um i do think that my taste in games are still reasonably good despite the odd like flashpoint of complete nonsense
1: yeah and, and they, they're they very much like my uh personal kind of bugbear picks so it's it's you know i i I imagine you would have won by more points if you'd had a, a more reasonable judge.
0: <laughs> There's also the thing of, like, I thought that, um, A, that I do find it, you know, genuinely enriching to hear you talk about these old games I might have missed. I also think that <laughs> DS is like the. Um, the best format to collect for because of the such a vast range of games. So many of them actually released in Europe, and even if they didn't, you can get them on import, on eBay and stuff. Yeah. It's actually like a brilliant machine to collect for if you can avoid the um some of the ludicrous high prices for some uh, mm. some particular And ludicrous. the fake cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So I'm at the point now where it's like put up or shut up for a Dern and Ghost Trick and stuff. And I'm not sure I can get into like spending fifty pound plus at a DS game. I don't think that's very me. Um, yeah it's just a bit too much so uh I don't that's, know. that is excessive yeah i think so but um yeah fast, a, a great little console and um yeah that's why most of my picks come from that but yes it was fun doing another games call with you matthew that was um
1: yeah well i'm glad uh you know as, as much as i give it the old big talk about how much i want to see an execution uh you know i'm glad that you live another day yeah um if only because this feels like you know quite a lucrative podcast format
0: <laughs> yeah i think so uh, the electrocutioner has been sent home unpaid um he only gets paid by the execution um <laughs> by the electrocution <laughs> yeah uh, yeah he, he, oh god so poor one out for the ex- for the electrocutioner <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he um he, he asked himself why didn't i train in another field why did i only train in this field out of university um, oh, you got to remember, this whole
1: trial, he's been cranking that wheel to power it up. That's yeah. tough. Using a DS, he's been playing a DS minigame for a solid hour. <laughs> Think yeah. of that guy's wrists.
0: Yeah, but this guy's been training it for years, Matthew. He's been stealing radios and GTA Chinatown Wars for like a <laughs> decade now. Uh, he prepared for this. Uh, okay, good. Let's. Um, should we take a short break then, Matthew? And We'll come back with our thoughts on Deathloop and No More Heroes Three. Welcome back to the podcast. So, in this section, we've got a few listener questions to go through, but we're also going to talk a bit about Deathloop and No More Heroes 3. Deathloop, (laughs) first of all, Matthew. I've been playing this. I've played seven hours of it on PS5. I have Deathloop in my house, which is amazing. So, (laughs) Arcane Studios has made this uh, first-person game, set a time loop on an island, and you basically have to uh, kill all these targets in one day in order to break the loop. I think there are seven in total. And Mm -hmm. yes, they're called visionaries. And in this preview code, I basically did the first stretch of the game. So, Matthew, what are you kind of curious about with this game? Where should I start with um, with discussing? I'm
1: kind of interested, like what first stretch sort of means, because in my head, this is just a giant clockwork sandbox. Does it actually have a like an introduction?
0: Yes, there is. um, The way it starts basically means that you have nothing and you are just trying to figure out what's going on and then over time you um you get this uh you, you can you perform a series of objectives to to get to the point where you're ready to like take on the loops properly so but later on you get um reprise which is an ability that lets you um die twice before you actually die which is very key to your strategy in this game sometimes dying can be part of your strategy but then you'll come back to life and you've also collected a, a, a resource called Residium, which um, you can use to infuse your gear. You spend a bunch of it, basically. You can keep a gun or a power or, like, a, a weapon trinket between playthroughs. And over time, you're accumulating, like, a vast arsenal of stuff you can sort of depend on. So the time loop thing is more punishing at first than it ends up being. Um, right. And um, to get um, the the powers in the game, they're called slabs. Uh, you have to go and um, kill one of the visionaries... Yeah, and then you have to spend a bit of residuum to keep the slab between um playthroughs. And these are your sort of like uh style abilities like shift, um, which lets you do the dishonored kind of like movement stuff. And mm. um Carnesis, which is kinda of like um uh thwacking an enemy with a giant tentacle or something. It's like um a, a, like a you know, a telekinetic um physical attack. And then you've got right. stuff like Ether, which turns you um, invisible briefly, um, so for a bit of a stealth approach. Uh, Havoc, which I think like makes you more powerful uh, briefly and makes you take less damage. So yeah, quite a lot going on in terms of powers and stuff. And at first, it feels very overwhelming, Matthew, trying to like keep track mm. of what's going on. And um, because there are four areas to explore at four, uh, four different times of day, there are technically like six, sixteen variants, sixteen levels oh. total, you know.
1: Oh yeah I was going to ask actually like how different are they at different times of day is it just like lighting or do they actually change kind of what's
0: going on and they're they're very different because the thing is that you might go to a place just just pick it randomly and like you know nothing might happen but you might find a few clues and stuff but later on you'll find an objective that makes you realize there was something you needed in that time period but you just didn't realize it as a player because you didn't know what you were looking for this game this a massive part of this game is about like Creating a kind of breadcrumb trail for you to follow and just being right. like, Well, I know that this person does this at this time, and I know that this thing is meant to happen at this time, so what if I go here first and do this? And that's and that's like a massive part of it, yeah. Things like enemy placements change massively, there are like events that will happen only at specific times. Um, it, it definitely feels like the same space, I would say, but they change things like the weather as well, and obviously the right, lighting, right. so yeah. It, a big variety, there are some things that, like, uh, w- one area might change over the course of a day, and at the end of the day, it'll be in a completely different state to how it started. Right. So That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a weird one, because they don't want to spoil anything about the story at all. Yeah. So I'm being very tentative with how I talk about... Yeah,
1: no, I, I was kind of interested, like, you know, I guess that was sort of tied into my first question, like, how on earth you embargo something like this, where, you know, in theory, you could see so much of the game from, like, minute one if you so chose but um yeah i guess this is the thing to sort of discover as you yeah as you as you, as you play it. The- oh, in the actual so in in when you're in an area in one of the time periods of the day is there like a time limit is is time moving in real time or is it more like a hitman level kind of just a sort of a forever place
0: It's um well in Hitman occasionally there are timed levels right like Paris where things happen at different times um
1: Oh yeah I guess certain things don't loop yeah you're right yeah Yeah so
0: yeah. um but this this seems to be immutable so you get there and then everything's kind of as it will be Constant like it doesn't change so you can just go and explore and stuff like I th- there might be a couple of exceptions to that but i don't for, for the most part i think it, you can just take your time you can like kill every enemy in the environment you can go explore every building that you can you want to explore um you can stay for as long as you like basically it's just that, oh, cool. it's just that when you leave time moves forward yeah so see, yeah. so
1: you've got time to make it yeah because i was my concern with this is that you are going to constantly be up against it And it was going to be more of like a speed
0: running exercise. Yeah, it's definitely not that. You can be as considered as you want. You can take your time to go around the environment and try not to get caught by enemies. So something I talked about in my tech radar preview for this is that I I think it's much more of a shooter than Mm. Dishonored is. In fact, it definitely is. Some players will try and play it stealthily. There are ways to do that. You get like a nail gun early on, which is obviously meant to be some kind of like quiet um, kill sort of stealth weapon. I will say that it didn't seem to... (laughs) The first one I got didn't seem to take out enemies on a headshot, so I thought it was a little bit pointless. Um, Right. So I switched that for, uh, like, a shotgun. But later on, you'll find a better version of the nail gun, which will take out an enemy on one shot silently. So you can sort of play it as a stealth game eventually, but I would say that from the sheer volume of guns they give you and the fact that you don't have loads of powers to begin with, you do end up playing it like a, a shooter that happens to be, like, um have uh, have stealth have a self stealth system baked into it um right right. and it feels like a lot of the videos they've been showing have been focusing on the action right just like hop in this building hop out of here shoot this guy um a lot of that kind of like dishonored style speed run stuff that you see where it's a lot more violent um Mm. so yeah it's um it's a really interesting game it's a bit of an acquired taste i wonder what dishonored fans will make of it i think the fact that it's more of a shooter might be might prove divisive but i think it is a good shooter the guns feel nice Um, do you um you
1: know with that kind of slightly punchier kind of action focus do you still get a chance to explore does it still feel like a kind of a classic arcane world in terms of like you know the kind of the nuance in the environments and things like that
0: oh yeah like for sure it's like beautiful beautiful looking sort of uh, biomes as it were the levels look really really nice um it is genuinely interesting to see how one area of the map might change over the course of a day how yeah. one door will be open at a certain time of day that isn't open later on, that sort of thing. Like there are there are different different places that will be open at different times, which is really cool. I like that. Yeah, the, the detail is certainly there. I think that if anything, it requires you to be more careful of making sure you don't miss a clue or like a, a document. Pretty much everything you find in the world is is not just for color. It's about leading you to another potential clue to get you closer to right. your goal. And that's just that's really interesting because I actually um I actually there was a room that I'd entered many times over and hadn't noticed one document that like was on the floor or something and I read it and it was like it, it put another clue in my objectives to kind of follow basically another place to go at another time and try and learn something about that place so it rewards it rewards you being careful and paying attention to those details that's cool yeah it goes to a lot of pain as well to tell you who the different visionaries are to give you like a breakdown of their personalities and stuff they feel like big characters in the world which is nicely done oh, that's cool yeah there's only one level so the way they got around the um you know not spoiling it is they only gave you one level to capture basically which is you go to a location called carl's bay it's kind of like a bit of a rundown sort of port area and there's this um sort of like a kind of preacher style woman called harriet who's um in a hangar sort of delivering some kind of sermon Uh, In the hangar, she's, like, in a kind of, like, a little sort of cockpit that's protruding from, like, uh, another room. She's sort of standing in this little cage cockpit area, delivering this Mm -hmm. sermon to all these dudes. And she's got, like, um, if you get caught, she's got, like, a little gas trap thing next to her that she'll activate. The first thing I did was try, like, snipe her from, um, from, like, a vantage point up high in this hangar, and I missed um and so she activated the gas and i thought okay i completely fucked it but i did um after like getting to a massive firefight with all the people the other um, npcs in the hangar she goes into this little safe room and fr- there are trip mines in there and i got into a firefight with a couple of her bodyguards and then one of them accidentally tripped the mines and blew her up as well as the two guards um oh, nice. <laughs> so i don't know if the game intended to do that but it considered it a valid approach and the thing is that you can go kill these targets over and over again. So it's not enormously significant how you kill them once. The whole point is to how do you figure out how to kill all of them in one loop. Mm. So yeah, quite interesting. And there was definitely, definitely another way I found to go and at least one other way to go and take out Harriet that was, you know, much more careful than the way I did it. I was just being impatient. And also I didn't want to spoil what that other way was for players. Because again, mm. I'm very frightened of embargo details, so, Matthew. It-
1: is she, is she in different places in different time periods?
0: I feel like your whole journey in this game is trying to figure out how they're all going to be in one place or two places or three places. I don't exactly know based on right. those seven hours, but it definitely feels like that's what it's going towards. It's like, you know, this is this is just the first time you'll kill this person. That's and, interesting. Yeah, you come to see, and if you kill a target more than once, you can upgrade the power that you take from them. So there's an incentive oh, cool. to go do it multiple times. I've killed, yeah, I've killed one target three times, for example, um, oh, nice. and getting more efficient at it each time. So it's which is quite good because there's a bit of mastery there too. You get better at doing it each time and more yeah. efficient.
1: Uh, how's the uh, like rival assassin?
0: Um, so in our playthrough, we were playing it single player mode, so she was AI controlled. She turned up three times in my first seven hours. Uh, she's quite a good mecha- she's quite a good mechanic. I remember I was in an area with no objectives and I was just kind of wandering around. And I thought, okay, it's a bit. I've kind of like wasted a bit of time here, but I'll just farm some residuum, then I'll I'll, I'll leave. Mm. But then she turned up, and like just started shooting at me, and I was like, oh, that's quite cool actually. That I can, you know, you think you can think you're safe, you can think it's very quiet, you've cleared out a map full of enemies, but then she'll turn up, and it's like, okay, it's a bit now it's a bit tense she's like reasonably easy to kill i would say um at least okay. in a single player but i can totally see how a fully powered up human opponent could be like devastating in that mm. <laughs> so there's an interesting risk to there i must admit i'm really excited about doing it as a player about going into other people's games it's the ultimate like trolling uh sort of thing i'm assuming though the game <laughs> has some, something to regulate regulate it though so you can't you don't have Juliana coming into your game like every ten minutes or whatever, because otherwise it would be an absolute pain in the ass. But as a kind of like, like, as you play it, you'll know certain times and places that other
1: players are going to be like bottlenecked. You know, your knowledge of the world that you build up by playing as the hero, you can then apply as the assassin.
0: I don't know. This you you will the game gives you reasons to go to every place at every time, basically. Yeah, so it could, but it could. It's got a lot of potential. I would say, and it definitely feels like the missing piece of the preview. The preview build yeah. It's not seeing how that works, but she's still a good like single player threat for sure. And you can It's not just killing her. You have to like unblock some kind of signal, go across the map, and unblock a signal in order to um, reactivate your exit in the level, basically. But um, right. yeah, it's quite. It's quite interesting. I, it's more. It's it's more of a detective game than I thought it was going to be, mm. and less of a time loop game. Like less of a. I guess what I mean by that is less of a roguelike you know it's not Mm. really a game about dying and starting again and changing your strategy it's more a game about like you know knowing the end of the day is coming so what will I achieve in this day that I can then pick up again tomorrow and Mm. and then like start you know start again so yeah intriguing Matthew I I'm unsure what players will make of it I think it's um they've definitely taken some risks with it which I admire but a bit of a bit of a different flavor to Dishonored that's built on some of its bones you know yeah exciting i cannot wait to play it yeah it should be good so matthew you have been playing no more heroes 3 we um yes had code sent to us by uh nintendo via heaven media thank you very much for that we really appreciate it and so matthew you've been playing that um what's um what's the deal with this one i was fascinated to see it got four and eight out of tens that kind of range and i thought fantastic this is definitely a a pseudo game so um yeah yeah
1: yeah, I mean it you know it's like No More Heroes 1 and 2 it 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 is about uh, a series of boss fights that you are climbing the ranks this time it's a load of aliens who've arrived um I think that the 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 story ties into um Travis Strikes Again which was the kind of weird mid game that they made the sort of smaller indie thing um which I actually haven't finished so some of the some of the stories lost on me a little bit yeah, I didn't really know like what to expect with this one because in my head, you know, No More Heroes one and two kind of come before a kind of ch- a slight change in Suda Fifty One's work in it where it gets a little more, a little bit more, I would say, kind of maybe like clean cut in a way. Uh, and I think No More Heroes games are a bit more of a kind of crossover from like early Weird Suda and sort of modern, slightly more kind of conservative Suda. So the idea of him going back to this world, you know, I was intrigued to see kind of which version of him we'd be getting. Um it's pretty wild. Uh it's it's actually kind of it's been a while since I've played a Season 51 game, and i you know, I think my favourite thing about this new one is just being reminded of all the stuff that I do like about his stuff, which is the kind of mad sort of stylistic choices, the kind of the fourth wall breaking, the hyper violent cut scenes it's like super obnoxious in a way that games kind of aren't that that often anymore really indulgent but in a sort of self-indulgent but in a really fun way um i kind of missed it and i kind of missed him like you know the mad interface all the weird kind of buttons and prompts like just um like leaving you know just just going you know button prompts in this kind of flood the screen with just like hundreds of words for the button prompt and things like that it's just it's really hectic buzzy and exciting and yeah like kind of interesting as a kind of combat experience i think it's probably the the, the best of the no more heroes it feels to me mm. like it's sort of simplified it a bit. he's got rid of the high low stance he's just got like strong and weak attack but there's a sort of a timed dodge to to get like a little burst of sort of bayonetterish ish sort of slow-mo um and there's like a a selection of of, sort of special powers that you can drop at certain times sort of uh like a drop kick and things like that it feels super fast and poppy like the enemy types feel a bit more interesting like it feels like there's lots of different aliens that you're fighting and uh the kind of combat feels a bit more interesting around that so it, like technically it, it it feels kind of super engaging um it it like It has this weird technical thing where in the fight, it's quite smooth. It's like 60 frames and quite fast and quite gorgeous because it's got all the hectic pseudo, you know, uh, fruit machine and the death blows and it's shrieking and there's all lights and sounds exploding. That stuff's rad. But then when you go into the open world, like it's such a technical mess, but which is obviously sucks, but it does make the fights feel like super lush when you're in them. Which isn't intentional, i like I swear like if he could get the world running smoothly, he would you know <laughs> I, I think it would, be, it would it would be pretty mad to kind of hobble your game like that, but like you know the open world is like r- rough as fuck visually like it's it's like a horrible draw distance, a horrible frame rate. I'd basically be going around on foot because getting on the motorbike is just it's just gross oh is
0: wow. um, it's worse than the first one.
1: Ah, uh, it's been a while since I've played the first one. I uh, Probably not. Similar to, though. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of audacious for something that sort of ropey in this day and age. I mean, you know, when you see the technical breakdowns people have done on YouTube and stuff, and they're like, when it's in handheld mode, like the resolutions, like, you know, 240p or something, <laughs> like it's it's wild as a technical experience at the same time kind of who cares i mean with the pseudo games like if 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 you're gonna get really hung up on that and that is going to stop you from enjoying it i don't know that this was ever particularly for
0: you in the first place yeah you were never Um, you were never playing his games basically
1: no i like i like i've seen some people who are like you know who go sort of go the other way and they're always saying like you know I'd be sad if it wasn't technically fucked, and you'd be like, "Well, that's mad, yeah. like, you're clearly insane, <laughs> but um, you know I'm of the I can kind of put up with this because it's so interesting, like I will take a big, messy, interesting thing over a big polished, boring game for sure time, and that is like the essence of him um the boss fights are like tremendous, the enemy designs are great. Um, there's lots of like weird gimmicks and twists. It's it's funny. I I find it funny. It, you know, it's very pure and you know, it's mostly just him snarling, you know, tons of swear words at everyone, but it makes me laugh. I love how violent it is, it's really childish. Yeah, I, I just I don't know, like I just played it. was. you know, it's been a long time since I've played one and two and two I liked less than one. But this like I'm already like super into it. I'm just having a really, really great time with it. I love the tone of it. I love the music, its style. Like, I just, I don't, maybe my tastes have kind of um, sort of, you know, they're a bit more uh, set in stone now than they were back then. And, you know, I like this kind of, you know, I'm fully on team kind of rough and charming. So, you know, it maybe resonates even more. Um, But, yeah, it's just great, really, you know, exciting proper no more heroes sequel what a, what a cool thing
0: yeah like yeah you know more than a decade later i mean
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and it, like there's some stuff in it as well that is like i guess it's like really beautiful like hand animated opening sequence and things like that like there's lots of weird little side things weird little mini games twists in the boss battles strange kind of puzzle mechanics that come out of nowhere you know i've only done a couple of them as well so like there's there's plenty of weird stuff to come i think the only thing i was a little unsure of is it's changed the format where uh there's now not like a bespoke level before the boss Mm. you kind of go around the city sort of warping to these like self-contained arenas where you sort of do kind of qualifying fights with aliens and once you've racked up enough of that qualifying kind of currency, you then just go and fight the boss. So it's not like you go to a location, there's a level, and then it ends with a boss fight. And some of those levels were quite fun in the older games. Like I kind of liked the the little stories they told or the locations they took you to. So it, it maybe feels like even bittier than it did before. Oh right. Um, whether that like irks me more. As I play the whole game, I don't know. It'll be a wait and see. Um, currently, I don't mind it as much, but that's that's the one change I'm a little like, hmm, sort of, is this right? Is this good? Lots of really, really long, excessive conversations about the films of Takashi Miike as well, um, which is very, very indulgent. But, you know, if, if the sound of that really turns you off, probably don't play this. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Is it like um, big on references to like other games as well? That seemed to be like a thing they were kind of doing. in Travis Strikes Again is a is that part of yeah,
1: this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like films, uh, f- films and games. Like it opens with like a a big kind of uh, like alien riff. Yeah, but you know, packed with all that stuff. I mean, it's you know, it's it's sort of it's no more heroes. You know, it's it's got all it's you know it's incredibly self-referential, self-referential kind of. Um, like artificial place um i will say like it references the other games quite a lot and the characters quite a lot it's, it assumes like for example that you have played travis strikes again that seems quite key to it so probably play that before this
0: mm, okay that's quite a big ask actually um i hadn't um hadn't considered playing that but i think it's um often in the steam sale that one so i'll look out for yeah it. yeah but it's yeah
1: it's just yeah it's lively and fun and sort of I don't know, it's weird. I, I played a bit of um, the new Ratchet & Clank this week um, <coughs> on PS5. I, t- I bought a pre-owned copy of it. And that is a game which is, like, sort of technologically kind of about as zippy and clean and polished as you can be. But Man Alive it is so boring. It is so boring compared <laughs> to something like No More Heroes 3. Like, it's just... I wish there were, you know more people in that kind of pseudo 51 space who are making these big kind of like sort of big weird swings that are kind of hopeless in so many regards but like the few places they do land they just they just you know they sort of cement in your memory like instantly where ratchet and clank is just this big like polished pudding you know
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the idea that you would consider a big polished pudding to be a bad thing, Matthew, is preposterous to me. I know you love a good pudding. Kind of <laughs> well, details. I
1: love pudding. Yeah, that's a terrible choice of words. Yeah, but I know what you're uh, saying it's like- just—it's just like I tell you what, Ratchet and Clank, it's like plodding perfection, you know. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, okay, uh, fair I- enough.
0: But this is, like, I don't know. This is the real deal. <laughs> I saw that um, Joe Scrabbles liked Ratchet & Clank at Rift Apart. Do you consider that as a, a betrayal as um <laughs> Editor?
1: Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I just... That world... like this isn't a Ratchet & Clank podcast, obviously. <laughs> um, but the thing... I can't get over how shit the characters are. The writing is terrible. It's so babyish. Like... And it's just not, I know that's not aimed at me, but it feels like a game aimed at eight-year-olds. That's the thing I don't really understand when peers are, like, really into it. Like, be into the action by all means, but the world is, like, it's like the worst Saturday morning cartoon. I just don't get it. It's not knowing. It's not ironic. It's not surreal, interesting in any way. That's the thing which bugs me about Ratchet & Clank. It's just a cackling villain he's just so lame like whenever Doctor nefarious or he turns up you're just like shut the fuck up you know I hate that guy yeah um, <laughs> but it's just not aimed at me yeah okay that's fair enough yeah but this though <laughs> you want to see like an alien just chop off loads of heads endlessly in cutscenes, and everyone sprays blood like giant like 20-foot fountains
0: this is the game for you. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Yeah, I, I can tell I'm going to like this. It's um, it's going to be yeah, a game I put on my Christmas list. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, th-
1: I think it's great. Like, I fully expect it to be terrible because I think, you know, he's, I think he has been a bit all over the place for a while. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, no, this is good. And it doesn't feel fake. Like, you know, it, he could do a tribute act to himself and I think it feels, like, authentically shoddy in a way which... i I haven't seen from him in a while yeah um and that is an endorsement yeah yeah yeah.
0: no that's um yeah it it, just in screenshot form it looks exactly like the game i want it to be so um yeah yeah i'm so pleased he's made it and that people can play that entire series on switch that's really cool yeah 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 cool all right then matthew let's close out with a couple of reader questions so uh they're both quite long and as ever they're tied up in our very strange uh universe of stuff on this um this podcast so number one hey lads Thanks for providing me with hours of enjoyment as I commute up and down the M1. Really love what you do, especially the daft episodes where you're both CEOs of your own studios. I was just listening to your handheld console episode and had an idea I wanted to share. We've already explored how disastrous your planning is for a press conference, but what about a whole physical event akin to Gamescom Pax 43? How would Big Sammy Holdings or Mac Productions entice gamers out? to a physical two-day event again. Your picks could be your three paid-for influencer slash celebrity endorsers. Fucking Randy Newman's going to come up again. I just know it. Um, the one <laughs> big experience that the convention offers, i.e. cosplay competition, VR, arcade integration, etc. What's in the welcome pack that comes with each booth? What would be on your panel schedule? And I'm sure you can come up with better ones. I hope you're both keeping well and congrats on the podcast success. That's from Jimmy Bowers, who also left us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. So thank you very much. Matthew... What is the Matt Castle Productions uh, physical two-day event? First of all, what's it called? Do you have a name for it? Oh, I don't have a name for it. Yeah. Oh, man, I should have thought of a good name. I mean, it
1: would probably be like... Like, I'm quite literal with my with my titling of things.
0: Um you should like call Matt it... Castle... Yeah, go on, sorry.
1: Productions is, is bad. It's got to be a
0: similarly bad name. I think it should be um, Matt's Castle and then, like, brackets, Productions. Um, you should do that. <laughs> Oh, well, I do love a bracket. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: or something where it's like something and then brackets. It's a games convention.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm just going to go with uh, Big Sammy Fest uh, 2021. You need um, a vaccine passport to get in. I'll just make that very clear up front um that's fun <laughs> yeah well, you know <laughs> we're pro we're pro jab on this podcast I want to make that very clear yeah. and we're pro people not dying so um yeah that, that that'll be unless on. it's game score <laughs> yeah i think um, we're pro people not dying will be on the program you get when you come into the um the convention center so yeah yeah that's like our slogan what about your paid for influencer or celebrity endorsers matthew
1: i feel like i've got to be true to my conference yeah so, like, people have seen the conference; they're going to expect Barack Obama. Yep. Obviously, also that gets in like the legitimate press because people will just be interested in what that guy's up to. <laughs> so, again, yeah. I-, I still think that is sound business practice. Um,
0: Take a break from producing Netflix like, shows. Yeah.
1: I was thinking like a hol like a obviously Randy Newman, of course, but like a hologram. <laughs> okay. Right. So it's like if you're not into Randy Newman. Okay, you know, if you can imagine such a thing, you'll still probably just dig seeing, like, a really good hologram. Right. So that that works on two levels. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I thought I'd hire uh, John Mulaney because he hosted your conference. Oh, my
0: God. That's so fucking
1: <laughs> shitty. How dare you, sir? And it will look like he's switched sides. Even though it's just a paid gig, it will look like he's in somehow endorsing me. So... <laughs> that's what i'd
0: do <laughs> i see so the hologram is of randy newman is that right yeah. yeah okay um is that because he the real randy newman was too injured from the e3 conference to come well, to the yeah equation? i mean
1: i don't think the real randy newman as you know is suing Matt castle productions because we hurt him in that car accident yeah uh, so this is just like a static image of him yeah because um, we have like we own anything that happened to him while he was during the conference. <laughs> we own all that imagery, all right. so it's a hologram of him falling out of a car. <laughs> okay, that's great stuff. Yeah, That'll- so it's like a free-falling Randy Newman hologram.
0: <laughs> when you walk in, it feel- it collapses on you. The hologram, um, and it's yeah, 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 it's like you were really there. Okay, all right, good. So, um, I, I if you're taking something from me, I'll take something from you um shooter kumi is coming to mind oh wait no he works for you doesn't he shit you can't do that. he's
1: literally an employer
0: huh? yeah <laughs> just like agent 47 uh who's also on the board um okay fine i will bring the um pikmin in the jacket from games court um <laughs> I- <laughs> i've survived that i'll bring them along i think people will, uh, find the pikmin very cute and that would have um <laughs> that would have its own appeal um it's tough with influencers and celebrity endorsements because i don't those don't get me excited as a person i'd probably bring um henry cavill because he like builds pcs and People think it's very hot that Superman makes like big computers. <laughs> that sounds like a bad like um, the Sun headline, doesn't it? Um, Superman makes big computers. Um, yeah, so I think Henry Cavill's, like a good shout. Obviously, he's Geralt of uh, Rivier as well. <laughs> Maybe I can awkwardly make him sit on the in a bath on the uh, on the stage. <laughs> That'd be really weird. And he's like, this Is this really cold, and I'm wrinkling. Can I get out?" And I'm like, "No, we paid you for two days. You have to do it." So like, I've got to sit here for two whole days. You go home at six. And it's like you don't. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and um i think like what i'm gonna do is try and steal a bit of your thunder and invite um (laughs) michelle obama to my conference um interesting yeah i think it'll suggest some like um tension in the relationship like that they're they're quite split on matt castle productions as a prospect um interesting and she's prepared interesting. she's prepared to back its like nearest rival so yeah then we got we got some red pikmin in the jacket henry cavill and michelle obama perfectly <laughs> normal normal <all> day <laughs> at a uh, big sammy fest 2021 um I wonder which of those three will have the biggest cues for all <laughs> also will i have to vaccinate the pikmin i didn't really think about that but um oh, yeah God. okay uh what's the one big experience that the convention offers matthew i suppose like your vr for you're sorry the virtual randy newman Kind of works for that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's already exciting. Like, I feel like most people have got their money's worth. Yeah. Um, just seeing a hologram of a falling Randy Newman. Um, th- the gimmick is that my my sort of comfort, my sort of, I've sort of imagined it more as like an E3 stand, I guess. Hmm. Is that it tries to like recreate the games journal experience of E3 and Gamescom, right? So it's a lot more like the personal, like. Each guest has like a sort of slightly harangued PR who looks after them. (laughs) There's like a little seating area. You get to eat some sort of lukewarm mini burgers. Um, You get to like get quite stressed because you can't find a Wi-Fi password. Uh, That's a key part of it. And get led into a series of white shapeless box rooms (laughs) um, to see quite sort of tired Shootakumi doing presentation on different games. (laughs) Just Shootakumi and no one else well uh, and my other developers but Shoot is i feel like it's really the the headline act
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose i should probably lean into my um my stock of developers for this one um uh, you can come play um uh, hollow knight silk song at my co- my convention oh why are you always lean on this i really <laughs> feel like you've been dining out on, on hollow knight silk, <laughs> silk song what are the two times it's come up uh, including this yeah. uh well you know it's it's the game people want to play i mean what a big um a big draw that is um, what if it's a bust if that game comes out
1: and it's pure 7 out of 10 oh my god
0: how wrong can they get it's just a metroidvania you know like uh um, <laughs> a sort of, i'm sure it'll be fine um yeah okay so yeah i suppose i need something bigger than that uh what else do i have um so obviously we own rockstar games big sammy holdings um so what's going to happen is there'll be a car you can get into, and a man will come and carjack that car from you. It's the GTA <laughs> carjack experience.
1: Um, that's just traumatic.
0: <laughs> well, no, you get thrown onto a crash mat. Like there will be no physical injuries. Well,
1: that's still not good. I don't want to be thrown on the ground of any sort. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: uh, I, I personally in think, my leisure time, <laughs> I think the combo of that and Hollow Knight Silk Song makes this a damn good convention, sir. So, um, I just think I think any event where
1: no matter the circumstances you have to pick yourself up off the ground <laughs> something bad has happened
0: oh uh, yeah but i mean you know we're we're seeing that through the, through the prism of being larger gentlemen where it's harder to get up um but, uh, but to, what, uh, to... and you think you, you really think your company's going to appeal
1: to small small men <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we hadn't really thought about our demographics by body oh, size i'll big, be honest big men yeah, it's not like what do you think big sammy holdings like rules out people who aren't big is that your suggestion yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of, of a lot of hefty dudes <laughs>
1: getting like shamed by a carjacker.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose like also here's another thing we could do, right? We've got um we bought Kushima Productions, right? So uh Hideo Kushima's gonna have like different sort of um film people on stage all day doing talks with them. What he wants to do more than anything else is talk about films. Um so we'll just mm. we'll just do that. So in come see Kojima on stage two, um, be caught in a pretend carjacking, and meet some real life Pikmin in a coat. So, I don't know, <laughs> okay, fun for the whole family? Question mark. Um, who can really say? <laughs> so, yeah, okay, good stuff, Matthew. What's in the welcome pack that comes with each booth for? Um, for-
1: uh, I- I've only got. A USB stick in the shape of Phoenix Wright's pointing arm. I thought you were going to say some Rennie. That seemed like it would be good for you. <laughs>
0: Just a, oh, that would have been good. A pack of Rennie, but yeah, but you need. But uh, by oh, when the day comes, you've already taken them all out of the bags because you've needed Rennie so bad because <laughs> you were so oh, yeah.
1: Cu- yeah, spot the whole thing. should be sponsored by Rennie. That's a really good shout. <laughs> yeah, but I think you have to have a themed USB stick because that is like primarily the swag you get.
0: Yeah, in which case then um, my my USB stick has a picture of Hollow Knight's Silk Song on it, and that comes with each one. And um, uh. <laughs> Matt Castle's furious because <laughs> he thinks I'm leaning on that too much. Um, that dials up the rivalry. He he releases a Twitter rant video about Silk Song beforehand, going, "It's going to be a pure seven out of ten. Fuck Big Sammy Holdings. He says, Why- I'll get? I'll get like
1: I'll get John Mulaney to write it so I have some good jokes."
0: And Obama to perform it, so it'll go like really viral. Yeah, but no one will pay attention because I've got uh, a naked Henry Cavill in a bath on my stage. <laughs> a cold bath in front of an audience of thousands. And it's and it's They're being. like,
1: oh, we were going to inform you on the second day that Henry Henry Cavill has hypothermia.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's now in a warm bath at home trying to recover. Um okay, good. God, that got so weird. Uh <laughs> uh okay so yeah welcome back yeah i've got a harlanite um silksong usb stick mostly just to annoy matthew castle <laughs> so what would be on your panel schedule i've already done mine i suppose with the kojima thing matthew have you got any uh ideas for yours i mean
1: yeah outside of just Kumi showing off my amazing smash brothers but with the cars from forza in it yeah that's basically basically it yeah
0: um yeah okay good so <laughs> there you go i hope you uh we'll see i don't know why we decided to run them both in the same weekend but we have so that'll be uh fun for whoever goes uh see you at the excel center i guess okay good do you want to read out this one matthew greetings your recent zelda episode was
1: great glad to hear in the subsequent episode that it was well received uh don't tell alice of the alabaster titan fame but i need this podcast too that's a reference to the electronic wireless pod sh- uh, show which is the rps podcast Uh, As much as I enjoyed them in the moment, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks burnt me out on Zelda's, in no small part because of that hand-holding you guys brought up at one point. As a result, neither Skyward Sword nor Twilight Princess has ever touched my Wii, except for backup purposes. I'm pretty psyched to play them both now, though, as it sounds like they're both heavy on dungeon puzzling, but place more trust in the player. The burnouts had time to cool, I figure. Thanks for the excellent breakdown of the best of the best of the series cheers Particles um side note one uh when you mentioned Zelda's Weird Owl in the Steam Deck episode I 100% heard that the game has Weird Owl in it um the popular musical comedian uh which was confusing yet somehow plausible for a hot second there so many urban legends around those games uh, side note two, MCP, more popularly known today as the official stylization of Matthew Castle Productions, was also the nickname of the Master Control Program, Rogue AI, and the main antagonist of 80s cult classic video game film Tron. Coincidence? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh bonus question for potentially hot takes uh link and mario wants essentially silent protagonists if one ignores their cartoons how do you feel about oh if one ignores their cartoons how do you feel about mario's rise to incessant jabbering in his games these days versus link's wordlessly shouty approach i hope this holds up post spirit tracks how about versus samus's monologue and uh, prime primal death scream approaches Oh, she screams when she dies. Right. So, I don't. Does Mario talk that much?
0: Uh, not really. He just sort of makes, like, little one off noises and words, right? He doesn't, you know, have conversations. He's, like, excited because he's jumping. Yeah. Woohoo! And all that stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, and all that. I'd say that's quite key to his character as well. Like, I like that, that he does that when he's jumping. It sells me on how fun it is. I'm having fun. He's having fun.
0: Yeah, what would you have We're us all put? We're having fun. Would you have us put Charles Martinet of business? What a sicko, jeez. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I'd argue they have every sound they possibly need him to make now <laughs> and don't need to re-record it for
0: every <laughs> every fresh game. And Matt Goss was like, I just want to cut cut off the line of money going to Charles Martinet <laughs> out of some kind of too long.
1: He's bled <laughs> us dry with his whooping.
0: <laughs> we, um, we never deliver more than a sentence, right? It's not like he's, you know... Talking about yeah oh, oh no yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bowser I mean, took Peach again. I'm so upset and very depressed. Yeah, I mean yeah. compared to
1: yeah compared to Ratchet and Clank, the guy's still a mute. He yeah, I like his I like his noises. So I guess we just don't see eye
0: to eye on this part, please. Yeah. So the um, Samus thing. I mean, uh, there's a There is a game where Samus talks a lot, of course, and that's um, Other M, uh, which is you know she, she doesn't come off very well in that. She's just very sort of like you know sad and stuff. It's a bit of an odd game tonally. I'm sure this will probably come up in a, our next episode, won't it, Matthew?
1: Yeah, it's I uh, I don't know. It's Yeah, you kind of you got a bit... Samus is this kind of silent kind of character, kind of plays into the loneliness of that world quite well. Like, I think one of the problems, yeah, with other I mean, is just the fact that you just hear from her so much and you know, the character in your head probably doesn't sound like that if she did have a voice at all. So her just sort of shrieking on death in, like, Metroid Primes or whatever is... is that's fine yeah i don't really know what approach they're taking in, in metroid dread because i've not really been watching any of the things i wanted to be a surprise and like nintendo seemed to really be going out of the way to show like every pixel of that game so i'm um
0: yeah it's quite tough to avoid spoilers at the moment well it's because they've only it's like the one game they're releasing this christmas basically so uh yeah
1: yeah but they're showing off like i think it's gonna have some like classic bosses in it and stuff i don't want to see any of that i want to see that in the game
0: yeah that's fair enough I guess I just feel like they've got to sell it hard because um, yeah. maybe like this doing well will you know, be a big deal or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think we've answered that. But thank you for the kind words about the Zelda episode. I think it's po- yeah. possibly our best one. I really think that was um, a phenomenal bit of podcasting. Yeah,
1: it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Um, and I hope you do play and enjoy Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess. I will say there's a certain amount of hand in all Zelda games because that's just like Nintendo's design to get you through it. I mean, it's subtle. I would say it's not just, it doesn't just say do this, Mm. um, bar a couple of examples. Um, So I don't have a huge problem with that element of them, but again, that's me. And it's all in the Zelda podcast, let's not go back into that. Absolutely,
0: yep, which you can go download now if you haven't listened to it before. So, imagine Bad eBay Games Court, the retrial, is your first episode. There's so much lore built up at this point, it's... um, Oh yeah, yeah. very confusing. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry though, because next week's episode is the best games of 2010, which is uh, a good starting point. How are you feeling about that? Any fool could enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling about the process of selecting games for that one, Matthew?
1: Yeah. All right. I must admit, I I, I need to put the work in. I've I've got to do um I've got to do a bit more planning and prep for that one. Yeah. Um,
0: same. It's a big year as well. It's like one of the biggest years. So um yeah. yeah. Was, uh, i'm looking forward to hearing uh matt castle complain about um looking after a farm in red dead redemption again that's always fun um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yes thank you very much for listening to this episode um, if you'd like to follow us on twitter we're BackpagePod pod on twitter if you'd like to leave us a review on apple Podcasts, we'd massively appreciate it that helps with our visibility and grows our audience so um anytime someone does that we really appreciate it Um, but Matthew
1: something to chat about on discord
0: yeah exactly oh we got another review hey that's how sad (laughs) our lives are yeah (laughs) but no we do appreciate it so thank you very much but Matthew where can people find you on twitter I'm Mr. Basil underscore pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts. As I say, next week we'll be back with an episode about the best games of 2010, the latest in our series. We've done 2006, 7, 8 and 9 so far. So, you know, we're really getting through them now. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Bye for now.